be ready to tell. And we need to be ready to tell people about what's going on in our lives, what's happened in our lives, and we must be ready to tell the things of Christ to anyone and everyone who asks what we believe or why we have the joy we have. When we think about this, uh, just as an introduction, each of us have had our parents call to us from a different room or from inside uh, to outside the house to direct us what to do, haven't we? We've all had that call in some, in some way, shape, or fashion. Come inside. It's time to eat. Any of y'all ever heard that before? I have. You've heard, come in here and take out the trash. Uh, yeah, we've heard that one too. Tell your brother or sister it's time for supper. Maybe you've heard this one. I know I've heard this one quite a bit. Tell your daddy to turn the TV off and come to the table. You know, you've, you've heard these things before. You recognize the voice, too. You recognize the voice. You hear these things that are shouted out to you or called out to you, and you should be quick to obey. Uh, if not, there's a, you know, standing, good standing usually goes away. You want to move quickly when you hear the voice of the one who's calling out to you. And today, we will find ourselves in Acts chapter 8, looking at verses 26 through 40. When the angel of the Lord calls out to one of the most faithful uh, gospel-presenting men of the Bible, Philip, and he is there, and we get this account here in Acts 8, 26 through 40, and we're beginning this new series of the new year, Be Ready, specifically looking to be ready to tell. So if you have your copy of God's Word, open up to Acts chapter 8, and we're going to be looking at verses 26 through 40. 40. I'm reading from the New King James. You'll see that passage of Scripture there on the screen. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot, this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he replied, the eunuch did, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, he, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Man, what a bold statement there. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. 
And he went on his way rejoicing, that the eunuch did. But Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So as we begin this text today, here in Acts chapter 8, beginning there in verse 26, we're looking at this idea of being ready to tell. There are a lot of things we're ready to tell about, right? We come in this morning, we've had a lot of football going on this past week, and we are telling everyone about it. We're talking about different things. But we need to be ready to tell uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. But to, be, but to go tell, a lot of times we've got to be told where to go. We've got to be told where to go. And we see that in verses 26 and 27, where the Scripture tells us, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, and this is desert. So he arose and went. So there's a point of being told to tell. I am telling you to tell. The scripture tells us to tell people about Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you most likely have, have been, God's placed you in certain locations. The scripture tells us that we've got to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Many of you, you've had jobs, or you currently are in a job. Hopefully, you are praying about that job that you're working in. You've prayed and you've asked the Lord, God, is this where I need to work? Lord, is this where I need to be going to college? Is this in, in a hobby? Is this a group of friends that I need to be running around with? You've been praying about it. And if you prayed about it, the Lord's put you somewhere. That's much like what we're talking about here with Philip. But one thing about this is, is you've got to know how to discern the voice of the Lord from your own voice or from the voice of the working of the devil. That, so you've got to have a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. And not just your own voice offering up what you have to say to Jesus. You've got to slow down long enough to listen to what the Lord has to say to you. Many of us, our prayer life is, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. Lord, heal this person. Heal this. Do this. Take me here. Do that. And no, no time to slow down and listen for the voice of the Lord. That's a problem today. And a lot of the times we don't slow down to hear the voice of the Lord because we're not in the word of the Lord. Here's the voice of the Lord. Many of us may never audibly hear the voice of the Lord. I believe the Lord still speaks to people audibly from time to time. I don't think it's common occurrence. Most of us are very distracted and our faith is less than a mustard seed. So I don't think that the Lord speaks to us very clearly anymore as like we should. Hopefully he speaks to you. But if you want to really hear from the Lord, open up the word of the Lord. This is the voice of the Lord. So we open it up and we listen to it. And so what is we, as we listen to the voice of the Lord, we hear what the angel of the Lord said to Philip. He said, arise and go. So God gave Philip a direction, but not a destination, did he? He said, get on this road and start going south. From Jerusalem to Gaza. He didn't say where to stop or anything like that. He said, just get on the road and go. God doesn't want us all the time. I mean, like, there's times when we need to slow down and have conversations. Obviously, we find that out in this text. But God wants us to, as we go, to be telling. Be prepared to tell. So what did he do? God told him to move, and Philip did. But where Philip was told to go was a desert. 
many a times we hear what God says and we don't want to listen. God, I don't want to go there. I, that doesn't seem like a nice place to go. There's not friendly people there. I don't want to hear that. Well, who cares what you want to hear? If you're wanting to hear the voice of the Lord, it doesn't matter what he says. You need to listen to it and obey it. No, you can't be picking and choose. You can't be uh, you can't be choosing what the Lord says to you. You've got to listen and you need to obey. You and I may be told to go where we may not think there is fruit, where there is no benefit. But we must not see only ourselves as the benefactors of God's divine commissioning. The world is the benefactor of our obedience. When we are obedient, the world will benefit. And so we need to be obedient, and then we will see the benefit. And the benefit may not always come to us. It may not be a clear benefit to us. But I want you to understand this. It will be a benefit to those that we come in contact with because we're being obedient to the word of the Lord. And he was obedient. There at the beginning of verse 27, so he arose and went. And then we find our second point there in the latter part of verse 27, the word leading to the telling. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. Well, I read verse 29, but I didn't have to. But verse 27 to 28, the word leads to the telling. Now, this, this Ethiopian, he was a student of the word. Not everybody who's reading the word of the Lord is saved. I remember we had a neighbor that lived close to us. And, um, oh, and she would, daddy would talk to her. My dad would talk to her. And she'd say, I've read the Bible. But, buddy, when Auburn had a bad day, she wasn't reading the Bible. You could hear it coming from her house. She was not happy. Language was going everywhere, okay? And you could hear it outside the house. You know, she was not happy. So you can read the Bible all you want to. But what's inside, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it wasn't Scripture flowing from her mouth on those bad Auburn days. But uh, nonetheless, we, we all, I'm, I'm saying that, it's truth, it's truth, but at the same time, I'm trying to make a joke there. But at the same time, we've got to understand, what, what comes from our heart is really what's in our heart. What comes from our mouth is what comes from our heart. We've got to be very cautious and be mindful about what we let in so we know what's coming out. And so we, we've got to be a student of the Word. The Scripture tells us that I have written His Word on my heart so that I might not sin against Him. Be a student of the Word. Get in the Word. I'm not telling you that reading the Word's a bad thing, but I want you to understand that not everybody who's in the Word of God is a believer. Not everybody who's in the Word of God is a believer. This guy is a worshiper. Not all worshipers are believers. You look around our nation today, there's some great worship groups, if you will. I mean, good music, but man, they're coming out of churches that are heretical, terrible. The man to worship is great, but the preaching is trash. Worship does not equate either to being saved. We can worship a lot of things. There's a lot of people who tell you every coach that's coached at Alabama or Auburn or whatever, 
years past, every offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and everything else, but they can't name the 12 disciples. Slow down. Let's, let's, let's think about it. Can you, can, we had the kids up here quoting all the books of the Bible. And listen, it put me on, it put me on Mark, you know. I, had to, I, had to, I was like, man, they're, they're making, I got to know this stuff now. And so we, we know all these things. I could talk fantasy football and fantasy basketball and all that kind of stuff like that. As a matter of fact, I need to check out today. But you could do all that. But listen, if you don't know the Word of God, what's going on? You can be a student all you want to, but you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Philip goes down through here. We find out a little bit about this Ethiopian. He is, he is, on, he is uh, en route back to Ethiopia from Jerusalem when Philip is divinely placed in this location. We find uh, the eunuch here. We find him reading in the Old Testament. Um, and he is reading from Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is not an easy book to interpret. Isaiah is, is not an easy book to interpret. So if, if, you're, if you don't have the Holy Spirit to give you clarity into what you're reading, you're going to have a hard time comprehending what you're reading. One commentator that I was reading this week, his name's Raymond Ortland. He gives this overview of Isaiah. He says, A book this large and lacking a narrative line must be viewed as an anthology or a collection of individual compositions. It is often futile to look for a smooth flow from one unit to the next. The book swings back and forth between oracles of judgment and oracles of salvation. The general movement of the book of Isaiah is from an emphasis on evil and judgment to rapturous visions of coming redemption, a movement from bad news to good news. But this is only a general pattern that should not lead readers to distort the smaller swings between evil judgment and redemption and restoration which, which persists to the very last verses of the book. So, I mean, there's a lot in that, just in that description of the book. Because I looked through there and I thought, who can give me a short overview of the book of Isaiah so we can understand how challenging the book of Isaiah could be? That was the shortest one, okay? So, I mean, obviously, it's a big book that has a lot of meaning. And here, here the Ethiopian eunuch is riding along, reading from Isaiah, and he's like, I, I, I don't get this. So to give understanding to this prophetic writing by Isaiah, one definitely needs to be taught, to, taught in the Word in addition to reading this Word. We need to be taught. This is an example of what some may call a seeker, the Ethiopian was. While a disciple, uh, Philip, is led by the Spirit. The Spirit prepares and draws, and the disciple is submissive and obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's the way we need to be. We need to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Look at verses 29 through 31. It says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake his char this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he replied, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the word working in the telling. The word working in the telling. Philip is led to the Ethiopian and asks a simple question upon realizing the scripture he was reading. Do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you are reading? And that can be interpreted, uh, that can be an intimidating question for most believers, right? But for a disciple, that is exactly the type of questions one should be asking. If you're a disciple, you're going to be in this word. You're going to be trying to like, 
mine out every little nugget of wisdom and knowledge that you can from this word. If you're a disciple, you're going to be studying it. You're going to be wanting to, to know this from front to back so that you can know how to live. But now if you've just been converted, you just might sit this Bible to the side and it might get dust on it. You might not know where it is on Sunday morning. You might not know where you placed it. I mean, but to be a disciple, you're going to be digging in the Word. Now, I'm not telling you that you're going to have commentaries on all your shelves and all that kind of stuff like that. But there are Bibles out there that have commentaries in them. Right there. Good, all different perspectives from whatever perspective you want it from. There's a commentary Bible. I would highly recommend a John MacArthur study Bible. One of the best ones there are. There's the NIV application, the, the, the Life Application Study Bible. That's, that's a really good study Bible. So we can't just cop out and say, well, I don't understand what it's saying. We've got godly men that have taken time to go through and study the Word and write down their thoughts on it. There's no excuse for you to say, I don't understand. If you're reading the Word of God and you're praying and you're asking the Holy Spirit to give you clarity, and God's already done that with some of the most... Uh, knowledgeable men out there that have studied the Word of God and that's in your Bible, good gracious, just get after it. Don't use cop-outs and excuses. Get busy in the Word of God. And that's where we need to be. That Do you understand what you're reading? We as disciples should not be intimidated by that question. That should be one we welcome. Hey, let's, let's look at that. Now that doesn't mean that you've got the exact answer every time. Because trust me, people ask, they say, Brother Blake, can I ask you a question? I'll say, well, I'll try to have an answer. That's using my response. I'm not going to tell you I'll have the answer, but I'll tell you I'll try to have an answer because sometimes I don't know the answer. It's a whole lot better to come at it from a humble point of view than a prideful point of view. Oh, I, I know I'm going to have an answer for you. And then they're going to ask you something like something crazy. Like at one time, what time point and time frame of history were dinosaurs on the earth? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that. And I know they existed in some way, shape, or form. Anyway, I'm not getting into that this morning. But we need to be prepared as much as we can be. We need to be prepared for those questions. And so, but, but as we look at this, we see there in verse 29 through 31, he says, how, the, the uh, eunuch says, how can I unless someone guides me? You know, we need humility in the church today. We need some humility in the church today. We need, we need humility from the pulpit to the back pew in understanding and growing in the Scriptures. We, we need humility in this. We have some people in this church that are knowledgeable in the Word. I love to hear their perspectives on Scripture. Um, I also love to share mine as well if you stand around and talk to me long enough. Sometimes longer than some would prefer, though, you know. <laughs> but together, we can reason, we can reason Together, we grow and through the Holy Spirit come to a greater understanding of the Word when we sit down and we reason through the Word. And we need to be humble like this eunuch that we see here in our passage of Scripture today and ask for clarity and assistance when in reading the Word of God. There are plenty of people in this congregation that have been studying the Bible longer than I've been alive. And I'm telling you, you could gain some great wisdom and knowledge from them. And I would encourage you to do so. Let's look at verses 32 and 33. The word read and it's foretelling. The word read and it's foretelling. 
The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life was taken from this earth. Now, what was the word the eunuch was reading? Well, this particular reading is found in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. And from Isaiah 52, 13 through 50, excuse me, from Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12, this scripture is commonly entitled the suffering servant. If you look there in Isaiah 52 and 53. And for us today, we know that this is looking forward to Christ. But the eunuch didn't know that. The eunuch didn't know that. For the eunuch, he wasn't grasping the setting of the prophet's writing. He, was, he asked that question, who is this for? He said, who is this speaking about? So there's two illustrations here in this passage of Scripture out of Isaiah that, that were used to explain the unjust condemnation of Christ. First is that of a lamb. As a lamb, the suffering servant was innocent, submissive, not complaining when it came to his time of sacrifice. And we see that in the first half of that passage that the eunuch was reading. And his second is to that of an individual on trial to which Christ was put in an unjust trial. Justice was not balanced against the word, but rather against men's words. And in doing so, Christ would be taken at a young age. That's what the latter part of that scripture is talking about. Who will declare his generation? Well, who is that? That's you and I. That was the disciples. That's who's going to declare this has happened to the next generation. Jesus died so young at 33. I'm 11 years older than almost 12 years. I'm 11 and a half years older than when Jesus was taken from the earth. Think about that for a minute. He was a young, young man. So who's going to declare that? That's you and I. We are the ones who are to tell. This is not left up to, to just random people out there. I don't know who's going to tell. Somebody's going to tell. It's us. It is us that are to tell. And he, he explains this to the eunuch. Look there in verses 34 through 38. The word told and it's receiving. Verses 34 through 38. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart that you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now the curious eunuch inquired of Philip, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Now this is by no means a dumb question. No means. I've heard people say there are no dumb questions. Well, I would have to disagree. But I do believe that this was a fair question. This was a, a fair question. And it's a very intriguing question. He's reading this. This is, this is the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles. Okay? This is, very, this is very short time after Christ died and rose from the grave. Very short. Matter of fact, about eight chapters. I'm just kidding. But, but the time frame is, it's not long after it happened. 
So the story of Christ is being carried along on, on the voice and the sound waves of the gospel through these disciples. Not just the apostles, but disciples as well. And as we know, apostles are those who lived with Christ, saw him uh, share in ministry, saw him die, and saw him rise. Those were defined as apostles. Now, there were disciples as well, but did not see all of that. But they were still disciples of Jesus. And there were 12 apostles, but yet we're talking about there's disciples out there talking about all of it. Scripture tells us that um, when Christ rose from the grave before he ascended back to the Father, over 500 people saw him alive. So there were a lot of disciples of Jesus. There were 12 apostles. But nonetheless, they're out there telling the word. And they're hearing this, but the eunuch had not quite heard what this is. He had not put two and two together. And to put those together, that's where we fit in. We are the peace between the two. And we are to tell, just as Philip is. Philip was. And what did Philip do? He ran up to that, he ran up to that chariot, it tells us there, uh, in verse 30. And he gets into the chariot. He asks me, he says, climb on up in this chariot with me and explain this to me. And I want you to understand this. When people are wanting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will cross barriers. There is no barrier the gospel will not cross. This is an Ethiopian eunuch. The gospel is not bound to any one culture, any one nation, any one people. When we get to heaven, there's going to be people from every nation, tribe, and tongue around the throne of God, glorifying God. So don't you dare let anything like that hinder you from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone and everyone. They're not like me. Who cares? They are like you. They are either a sinner, as we all are, or they're saved, as some of us are. So no matter what, that's the only difference that really matters. Are we sharing the gospel? It don't matter where they were born or where they're going to die. What matters is where they're going to reside for all of eternity. And are we going to tell them about Christ? Philip just jumped right up in that chariot. There was no hindrance. You know why? Because he is following the Spirit, not society. He said, I'm going to do what the Spirit says for me to do. I'm going to go where the Spirit says to go. I'm going to talk where the Spirit says to talk. I'm going to baptize when the Spirit says to baptize. And I'm going to go after that where the Holy Spirit says to go. The thing is, is we get so bogged down in just what we want to do. And we get so comfortable comfortable oh if it's not comfortable for me i can't do it oh that's a little earlier than i want to get up i can't go to church at that time oh man that's a little uncomfortable i can't get to church at that time that's later and i want to be out this is uncomfortable this is not what i want to do okay god didn't call you to comfort he called you to christ god didn't call you to comfort he called you to christ so quit using those excuses get over yourself and get after him Get after people. Tell them about Jesus. And we never know. We never know. When we look at this, we don't know what people are currently reading. People are reading stuff all the time. I mean, some of it is fake news. Some of it is, is trash on the Internet. But I want to tell you this. If someone is reading from the Word of God, we as disciples, because if we are disciples, we should be able to give an answer or at least direct them to the answer. Let's look this up together. And I know all of us ain't toting around a big old black Bible like this right here all the time in our hands. But man, technology has become super convenient. Just about every one of you are toting around a phone, 
and usually I take this out but I got one right here in my back pocket and I can open it up and I've got a Bible app on here and I can look up everything from English in the New King James, King James, New Living Translation to Hawaiian Pigden. I can, I can bring up any language I need to if I need to share the gospel with somebody. Seriously, that's in there. It's funny. You should look it up. But there's all kind of languages. We have no excuse why we can't tell somebody. No excuse whatsoever. And so as we read this, we, we've got to be ready. The word is told and it is received. And the scripture tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, it tells us, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And, but do it with meekness and fear. You got to be ready. You got to be ready to tell. Philip was obedient, and the Holy Spirit did his work in salvation, and the unit came to faith and desired to be baptism. Baptism always follows salvation, it should never precede salvation. Somebody's got to think about it. They got to count the cost. They got to figure out is this, is, is, is God speaking to my heart? Have I been saved? Have I been redeemed? Have I come by grace through faith? Have I been saved? And if I have, it's not of my work so that I can't boast. And if I've come, I've confessed him as Lord. I believed in my heart that God raised us from the dead. And if you've done those things, the next step is right into those waters. I'd love to say we could do it all on the same day, but it would take a little time to fill that thing up. It's pretty big. But baptism should be the next thing on your docket of spiritual steps to take other than beginning disciplines in the Word of God. You need to be baptized. You need to follow through with that. And as Baptists, we believe in believer's baptism. Baptism gives that outward evidence of the inward change. And baptism should always be done publicly and preferably before the people that are trusted to love and hold accountable the new believer. A confession should be clear, barring any physical impairments, of course. I mean, there's times when people, they might not be able to audibly speak that. But as much as possible, they should make that public profession. And a public profession before a group of people that will say, I will love you and hold you accountable to the decision that you have made. That's what should happen. It should be done as quickly before their church family as possible. Everyone wants to rejoice with them and, and celebrate their obedience. Let's look lastly here at verses 39 through 40. Well, let, let me back up. I want to say one more thing about, about that passage of Scripture real quick. The Scripture there in verse 35, this isn't in my notes, but, but I just, as I've been studying through this, the Lord it was kind of telling me, Blake, you should have put this in your notes. But I, I just want to emphasize this. It says there in verse 35, it says that he preached Jesus to him, beginning at that point in Scripture in Isaiah. He preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Now, why, why would he say that? Because Philip knew that Jesus was baptized. Jesus didn't have to be baptized, okay? But Jesus said, I need to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Now, if we're believers in Jesus Christ to fulfill all righteousness, we should be baptized. Not unto salvation. But we're baptized because that's just we follow what Christ did. This Ethiopian eunuch wanted to be and do what Christ did. Because Philip had explained all that to him. So, so I want you to understand, that's the reason why he knew about baptism. is because Philip, in his explanation of Christ from Isaiah, all the way up until that point, he'd, 
He was baptized. Could you imagine Philip telling that story to him? Man, you should have seen it. Man, we were down there at the creek. John the baptizer was down there. And, and John baptized me. He said, when he come up out the water, there's a voice from heaven. A voice from heaven. And then a, the Holy Spirit descended. It looked like a dove. And that Holy Spirit landed upon him. And there's a voice come from heaven. said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Man, that was awesome. So I know. Philip says, I know. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three of the triune Godhead was right there together. That Ethiopian was like, well, baptism, that sounds like something I need to do. If Jesus did it, I need to do it. Yeah. Same thing for today. If Jesus did it, you need to do it too. If you're a believer and you've made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. You don't need to put it off. If you've never been baptized before, you need to do that. It doesn't save you. But what it does do is you say, I want to be like Christ in all aspects of my life. I pray that that's, that's what you, how you see it. Now let's move on to the last point very quickly. Verse 39 through 40. The leading of the Spirit upon telling. The leading of the Spirit upon telling. It says there, now when they came up out of the water, which is amazing. Which, oh, hang on, I don't want to get ahead of myself which I think I've got that typed up right there, but I'll get to it in a minute. Verse 39 and 40. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and went in his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, it's amazing how in a desert there happened to be a watering hole large enough for the eunuch to be baptized and immersed. You notice back up there in, in the first verse, verse 26, it says, this is desert. That means there's not much water around. You know what I mean? Like it's it's going to be very challenging to find a watering hole. But God in his sovereignty, as they went through from Isaiah all the way up until this point, then they get to a point and he says, hey, you know what? I want to be baptized. Hey, there happens to be a watering hole right over here. It's a God thing. And if we will be obedient to the Spirit, it'll work out. It'll work out that way where, where God will put things in the right places. You and I have no idea how God will make something happen or make a way when we humbly submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit. He will make a way. The Spirit swept Philip away to another mission while the Spirit swept the Ethiopian up in a time of praise. And that's what Christ will do for us too. Philip's snatching, it's, it's much like Elijah's, you know. It was immediate and abrupt. Such a work could only be credited to the living God. The Ethiopian went on his way rejoicing. When someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, it should do two things for the believer. One, it should cause us to be even more on mission, even more enthralled and, and excited about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it should also cause us to praise. But it says the Ethiopian, he was praising. He was praising God. He come up out the water. I mean, could you imagine this scene? Here's Philip, a Jewish man. And, he, and the Ethiopian eunuch, and they're riding out through there. And the eunuch says, hey, there's water over there. What, caused, what hinders me from being baptized? And Philip says, do you believe with all your heart who Jesus is? He says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said, well, let's go. No time to waste. So they jump out the chariot. He says, hold up, stop the chariot. And they run down here. Philip gets him up, you know, and he tells me, he says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I don't know exactly how he says it. He's buried in his likeness, you know. Uh, but, but he gets up there, and he grabs a hold of him. And I don't know if he does like I did and give him a big old splash and all that stuff. But he baptized him. He's raised to walk in the newness of life. 
And then all of a sudden, it's just like, Phew. and that eunuch's wiping the water off his face, and he's looking around, he's like, was that even real? That's, what just happened to me, man? Where, where'd he go? Like, praise God. And then he's just praising the Lord. It says he was swept up, and the next time you hear about him, he's in Azotus, and he's preaching the gospel again. And this eunuch, it says he goes on his way praising. You know, I've heard it said that this eunuch was how the gospel first came to Ethiopia. He, was, he, was a, he ended up being like a preacher in that, in that community that he went back to and began sharing the gospel because you'll find all kind of Christian artifacts, not, not Old Testament, Jewish, Hebrew type stuff. I'm talking about Christian things in Ethiopia. And they, they accredit that to this eunuch who was on that road. And you can credit that to Philip being submissive to the Holy Spirit. And how is that? It's because he knew the voice of the Lord. He knew how to discern what the voice of the Lord was. Well, how do you do that? You do that with a life devoted to prayer. A life devoted to prayer. If you want to tell, you got to first pray. If you want to tell, you got to first pray. So there's a couple of things I want to do this, this, this morning as we conclude this time of service. The first thing I want to do is give you an opportunity to make a public profession of faith. If, if you've never done that before, if you've never come forward and said, you know what, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I've sinned against the holy God and I deserve to go to hell. But you know what? I am so thankful that God in his grace has reached down for me. And he came and lived a life without sin and died in my place on the cross. And he rose again. He's coming again. I know he is Lord. And if you know that, you say, I believe that he raised his son from the dead. You're saved. And if you've never done that before, today could be the day that you make that decision. You surrender your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You confess him as Lord and then he becomes your savior. If you've never done that before, you can do that. But I also want to challenge you in this. This is January 1st, 2023. Listen, I want to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ through the ministries of this church. I want to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ through each and every one of our individual efforts to share the good news, to tell. But you've got to be ready. And to be ready, you've got to know the voice of the Lord. Because the Lord is going to set you up in providential, divine situations where you can share the gospel. But you've got to be ready. Some will challenge us. Now, some of you, you may say, I can't, I can't kneel down at that altar. And I know this, it's a little, little bit of, not a whole lot of room up here today. But I, I want to challenge you to pray where you are. Pray for your opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray for your opportunities with your family. Family is sometimes the hardest ones to share the gospel with. It's hard to believe that, but it is. We can go to foreign countries. We can share the gospel with people we'll never see again, no problem. But man, it's the hardest thing to share the gospel with people that you love. You know why? Because you gather back together and you're always concerned about whether or not they're going to heaven or hell. It's hard. Because if they reject, then that's always in your mind. But it, it ain't too hard. You've got to keep doing it. Pray for your family. Pray for your church family. Pray for your fellow believers in this congregation. Pray for other churches in our community. Pray for the ministries of this church that we'll see fruit and we'll see salvation. I want to see people saved.
more than just, I mean, like, listen, I, I want people to come to this church in any way they want to come, however the Spirit leads them to be here. But I want to see people saved. I want to see people redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There's a lot of lost people out there. And I want to see them pass through those waters. I want to see them be saved by the blood of the Lamb and washed, and then, and then they go forth in a mission-minded effort. And I pray that we'll do that today.